And welcome back. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. By the way, coming up tomorrow, the debate over trans athletes. Should athletes be required to compete within the genders that they were assigned at birth? So we'll talk about all that tomorrow on midday. And now, a look at the first few days of the Moore-Miller administration in Annapolis. Wes Moore wasted no time after his historic inauguration last Wednesday, issuing executive orders and assembling his cabinet for a pep talk and releasing his first budget. Joining me now here in Studio A to talk about what's been a busy first few days in the state's capital, WIPR News Director Matt Bush. Hey, Matt. Good afternoon. So let's talk about the budget. Um, Governor Moore was required by law to submit a budget within 48 hours of his inauguration as the calendar worked out this time. What are the, uh, the, the, the big takeaways that stand out to you? Well, 63, a little more than $63 billion in this budget um, that he has took two days in to, to unveil to everyone. You know, the biggest things I think a lot of people will be interested to know about the $500 million that's going to go to the blueprint for Maryland's future. That's the law that's going to essentially set education standards and spending over the next decade in Maryland. $500 million to transportation, where you don't know exactly what that's going to go to yet because the governor decided not to tell anyone or didn't have details yet. He wanted wanting to wait until the transportation secretary, the probably the biggest member of his cabinet that has not been um, selected yet, that we're supposed to find out out about that sometime this week. So that's really big. I think a lot of people want to see where that's going to go. And those are two of the things that are some of the biggest breaks from his predecessor, Republican Larry Hogan, on education and transportation. And when we see that transportation secretary and hearing some of the rumors that we're hearing, is going to be a very, very big break from uh, Governor Hogan's transportation uh, kind of uh, priorities. And then the other part was about how they're going to fill all this vacancy, all these vacancies in state government. And uh, that's, that was a campaign promise he made, talked about it a lot, and has set a pretty ambitious goal in his first first year of trying to have that rate. Yeah, he talked about 6,500 uh, available slots in state government. Um, his budget, $63.1 billion, a little bit less than the budget that the legislature approved last year uh, of the Hogan administration, which was about $64 billion. Um, it is a, a, a law in the state of Maryland that the budget must be balanced, yes. right? Every state has that law, yes. And the uh, legislature here in Annapolis now uh, has a little bit more say in how how the budget's going to end up looking than it used to have. They passed that legislation mm -hmm. a year or so ago uh, to give them more power. What are they going to be able to to do with uh, Mr. Moore's numbers? I believe they can now actually do things like increasing it or doing different things. I believe previously they were only allowed to, uh, you know, uh, move things differently without increasing the budget number. Uh, now, the governor said when he was not governor, uh, he was totally good with this law. Now that he is governor, he openly admitted, he's like, now I don't like it. Uh, so he was very open about that. And obviously this was a law passed in response to a Republican governor. Now there's a Democratic governor. Uh, so we'll see. That's going to be a big part of this, uh, uh, this particular session is the working relationship between this governor and the legislature. They have this additional power now, and that's going to be part of the negotiations on budgetary things. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Governor Moore did have a Friday breakfast with the legislative leaders and some other people within the General Assembly. This is something uh, Governor Hogan was not doing, and this was his way of beginning to try to reach out to the leaders to say, please <laughs> approve my budget as much as, uh, as much as possible in the way that I have written it. 
WIPR's News Director Matt Bush joins me here in Studio A. You are welcome to join us as well. Our telephone number 410-662-8780. Our email is midday at WIPR.org. And you can tweet us at midday WIPR if you have a question for Matt about the budget that Governor Wes Moore has submitted to the legislature. He announced it on Friday. Um, the governor uh, said, uh, for example, uh, back to the uh, the fact that we have so many openings in state government for all these jobs that have uh, gone un- unfilled, that that's simply not sustainable moving forward because there was uh, a lot of talk at the end of the Hogan administration about the huge surplus that the mm-hmm. state is enjoying. And that's, in fact, uh, the case. But the reasons for that, the governor said, you can't count on that moving forward. Yeah. And there were three reasons he gave. One was all the federal money that has come because of COVID. The other was the stock market, which you were talking about in your previous segment here, the volatility of that, but it has worked, you know, has continued to grow. And the third was the the amount of vacancies in state government. It's about a 13.4% vacancy rate in state government, according to the Moore administration, which is about double it was what it was in the last decade. And he says those, he, you know, will not, he does not expect any of those three things to be happening at this time next year. So that's how they have to deal with the budget. Uh, you were down in Napa the other day, and here's what the governor had to say about the the reasons for the surplus and uh, uh, the, the prospects of its sustainability. And the three main drivers that we've seen from that surplus is one, we've seen an unprecedented level of federal investment, uh, upwards of, uh, of $800 million to, uh, to Maryland. And we've seen that over the past several years. We've seen record highs when it comes to market activity and market growth, particularly in equities, also as it relates to real estate. And we've seen an unsustainably high number of vacancies across state government, and that has made our state less healthy, less competitive, less resilient, while also hurting our capacity to actually support Marylanders. Just yesterday, uh, we were with a team over in Anne Arundel County at the Department of Parole and Probations, where they are processing over 1,100 people that, that they're currently monitoring. They have one input agent, one. This was a theme that he uh, hammered on during the campaign, uh, Governor Moore, uh, about parole and probation related to public safety. Uh, again, public safety and eliminating child poverty, two big uh, you know, priorities that he mm-hmm. talked about. So um, does this budget address those things directly? It does. It provides, one, some salary increases for current uh, current state employees. They're going to be up to 18% by the middle of this year, this fiscal year. Now, this is money that kind of been already set aside. It's now going to go to these state employees. But over the next two years, with the current fiscal year and then the coming fiscal year, you know, more than a uh, billion dollars going to employee salary and benefits and um, and in benefit enhancements. Now, this is something I think, you know, he has specifically said to recruit and retain employers or employees within the state. And then doing some other things of switching people who are on contract employees to switching them to, you know, full-time state employees. And as you said, you know, it's up to over 6,500 or so open positions. Uh, the public safety and correctional services being the one that has seen the most uh, openings right now in state government. And, you know, he talked about the competitiveness and how the believing that his belief that the 
the competitiveness of Maryland in, a, in opposed to its neighboring states is lower because of these, uh, you know, the, these these huge rates of, of empty positions, particularly in public safety, saying you know that the public safety, you know, the, the crime rates we're seeing right now, or certainly the 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 news about crime rates and all that's negatively impacting Maryland and believing by beefing back up a lot of the parole and public, you know, the the parole uh, department within the state that that can begin to bring those crime rates back down and make Maryland more competitive to have people uh, locate here, businesses locate here, live here, and be a place. Again, Maryland's always going to have to compare itself to Pennsylvania and Virginia and some other places, you know, making it more competitive by bringing these and bringing these workers back under the state government. And Governor Moore is also uh, wary of an economic downturn, yes, of a recession, uh, like many people. So mm-hmm. he's built in uh, some protections uh, if that turns out to be the case as well. True. And uh, this was a big thing, you know, having to look forward, you know, budgets are year to year. So this is just this year's budget, but also looking forward to next year, what may be the what might be the picture coming next year. And it's widely believed, as we're about to hear from the governor, that, you know, something's coming. Uh, they're not sure what yet, but something's going to be coming in the next year economically. Yeah, let's listen to what the governor had to say uh, on that score. There are very real economic headwinds that we are facing, and so we're going to proceed carefully. We're going to re- proceed responsibly, uh, but we're going to proceed with also a, a real sense of, of, of hope and ambition on the big things that we have to accomplish right now in this moment. But the, the truth is, is that even a moderate recession uh, would cost the state of Maryland directly and indirectly. And we also know that while, uh, while, uh, while whether or not we go into a full recession uh, is still being debated, even though 80% of economists believe that that is the direction that the country is heading into, even just the recessionary pressures of that are real and have to be taken into account. And when the governor uh, does, for example, and we'll talk about this uh, after a break, uh, adds $500 million in the budget for the blueprint for education, uh, once it's in there, um, it's not an easy thing to just switch some of that out of it uh, to handle other things if there is an economic downturn like the governor is talking about. There. Absolutely. That's a law. So they have to spend this money or they have to, you know, the, the for the law to work, it has to be spent to a certain level. And he made a big deal of saying the $500 million in this budget that he set aside for it, you know, is above and beyond what he's required to do as governor. And that's going to be the thing in a couple years. There are no tax or fee increases included in this budget, but the money for the blueprint, I believe in two years, uh, you know, begins to run out. So what was going to happen in two years uh, to fund the blueprint at a time where we may be in a recession, we may be seeing some pretty, you know, uh, you know, rougher economic times. So it's a tough time to start bringing in tax and fee increases to pay for this education law. So, you know, right now, this is just the first budget. You said it was the most ambitious budget of a first year administration in recent years. But the real tough things are going to come in a couple years when we see this recession that may or may not be coming and when the funding for the blueprint begins to run out. Matt Bush is WIPR's news director. He's covering the state house for us during the 2023 legislative session. We'll have more with Matt after a quick break. You can join us then 410-662-8780 or email midday at wipr.org and you can tweet us at midday wipr. And before we go to a break, Each week here on Midday, it is our practice to read the names of the people who have lost their lives to violence in Baltimore City and to list their names on the Midday webpage. We do this to stand in witness to their untimely deaths and to remember their families and friends in their hour of grief. So far in 2023, 17 people have been murdered in Baltimore. 
Police have released the identities of four of the five people who fell victim to homicide in our city last week. They are Youssef Mohammed, age 34, Cameron Bullock, age 30, Quantez Henson, age 23, and Deshaun Anderson. He was 31 years old. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. We'll be right back. This is your public radio, 88.1 WIPR. I'm Al Waller. I'm Katherine Collinson. And I'm Mihaela Vince. In upcoming episodes of Clear Path, Your Roadmap for Life, we'll discuss ways to catch up on retirement savings and the importance of self-care. Tune in to WIPR's website and mobile app, all major podcast platforms, and transamericainstitute.org. And welcome back. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. If you've just joined us, we're talking about the budget that Governor Wes Moore submitted on Friday to the Democratic-controlled legislature. My guest is WIPR News Director Matt Bush. You can join us if you've got a question or a comment, 410-662-8780. Our email's midday at wipr.org. You can tweet us at midday. WIPR. So uh, not unsurprisingly, Senator Bill Ferguson, uh, Democratic uh, leader of the Senate, uh, had very nice things to say about uh, this budget, you know, in the initial glance at it. How about the Republicans? Uh, what's been their response? Well, the first thing that came from uh, Republicans was that uh, they felt the only way the governor was able to spend these sort of headlining things like the $500 million each to the blueprint and to transportation were because of the budget surplus. And uh, the exact uh, the phrase from Jason Buckle, who's the House Minority Leader, was saying, you know, this is only because of the budget surplus and to continue this level of spending in successive years is going to require a tax hike of some sort. Again, in a year or two, we're going to find that out. It's not going to happen this year, at least now. <laughs> you know, the legislature's in session, so we'll see more. But the governor did not uh, offer any tax or fee increases. But in coming years with the recession and with the state law for the blueprint and it running out of money in coming years, this is where how this will get funded. Uh, that's where if there's going to be any of those sorts of tax or fee increases or anything else about, you know, money might go to something to, to fill, fulfill the blueprint. It might take money away from something else. Um, that's where the real heavy lifting with this is going to come. And we'll see that, you know, coming forward, maybe we'll get some more hints about that in this session too, as to where this may go. But, um, for right now, you know, it seems like smooth sailing, uh, for this particular budget. And, uh, Republicans have long, uh, advocated for tax cuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, any conversation about that for this year's budget? Not that we've heard of for this year's budget. All right. So no increases in taxes and fees, but no cuts either. It feels like it's kind of a holding period again, you know, hearing the governor say, you know, that you know, recession's likely at this point next year, you know, also mentioned and what you were talking about in your last segment, they have no idea what's going to go on with Congress 
and if there are debt defaults or anything like that, the impact that's going to have on state government, that's going to be huge should those things happen, um, the impacts that you know some federal issue like that will have on state governments. Uh, the governor talked about permanently extending the enhanced earned income tax credit uh, and expanding the child tax credit. Uh, he says there's some 40,000 families that would become eligible for this. This is a, a big linchpin uh, of this budget uh, in terms of his priorities as well. Absolutely. Focusing on child poverty and eliminating child poverty. Also talking about, you know, speeding up the process for the minimum wage hike to $15 in Maryland. That was part of his economic uh, package that he had released Friday. Talking about that, and then something else which has been controversial in other areas and with other things with even within Maryland is tying the minimum wage in future years, indexing it to inflation. Um, how that works in practice is a completely different story, but um, that was a big thing to have that. You know, they've talked about indexing other things here in Maryland to inflation, and in a year like we've just had, where we did see inflation, then seeing it fall back, that could be, you know, that that that, that would be very interesting to see how that plays out in practice. Yeah, that's a tough one to, to budget yeah. for. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's difficult to know what's, what stuff's going to cost. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned that we don't have a transportation mm-hmm. secretary, uh, and that's, you know, probably, as you say, the, the highest profile position that's yet to be filled. Uh, generally speaking, they, they did uh, fill most of the other uh, cabinet positions. Do you have a sense that the the transition in that regard has gone fairly smoothly? I Very mean, smoothly, I think so. Um, you know, you, you'll you'll see he's also relying on some longtime legislators to be some of the bigger ones uh, within his administration. So I think that's also a, a nod to you know getting these things through the legislature and dealing with it. Like Governor Hogan, this is the first office elected office that Governor Moore has held. So having you know some people who know how the legislature works and know how to get things through that and being proactive in doing that is probably very important. Again, the transportation secretary, and this was also, I believe, true with Governor Hogan when he came in. That was one of the final ones, I believe. He also came up with two, and that was a big shift from the O'Malley administration we're going to expect, given some of the things Governor Moore said Friday about transportation without offering any specifics as to what the money may go to. His transportation secretary will probably be a big break from what the Hogan administration's one was like in their focus. Yeah, he wants to allocate $500 million. It's Mm -hmm. a lot of money. He wasn't specific about what he wanted to do with that, although during the campaign he did talk about reviving the red line, the uh, east-west mm-hmm. uh, public transit uh, here in the city of Baltimore. There's the purple line that's still under you know construction. It's been under construction since uh, the Civil War. Yes. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's uh, he's he's got um, certainly a different take on what mm-hmm. the transportation needs are than Larry Hogan. And from the rumors we're hearing, that, you know, there will be a bigger focus on on no doubt on mass transit uh, from whoever this person's going to be. He discussed briefly the Purple Line, uh, the Governor Friday, and also you know a lot of the sort of outstanding issues that are in Maryland transportation that were bubbling up through the Hogan administration are in the D.C. suburbs, like the Purple Line, like the expansion of 270 and the toll lanes. We'll see more and more what there may be in the Baltimore area uh, from whomever he chooses. He's talked about uh, starting a new, uh, establishing a new cabinet level uh, mm-hmm. position, uh, the Department of Service and Civic Innovation. Mm-hmm. Tell us what the service year option is going to be. So this is what he's was campaigning on of having people having a service year option to have this. This was his announcement on Thursday, his first full day in office. He announced you know some money that was being you know had been held back by the Hogan administration going to various priorities. But this you know cabinet level post. This will be interesting how this moves through. But this was obviously a very big part of his campaign to have the service year option for for Marylanders and he's going to keep talking about that quite a bit throughout this um, throughout this particular legislative session how the 
position, how the cabinet level department itself holds up. Um, still seeing the details on how that's going to come out. It has been a busy few days. You and I mm-hmm. were together uh, talking about uh, what was going on in Annapolis. You were uh, our eyes and ears on the ground during the inauguration. Um, uh, he didn't waste any time. Uh, he went mm-hmm. to the ball and then the next day uh, came right out of the gate and released money that Larry Hogan had withheld. This is money that the legislature had already allocated. Uh, it has to do with reproductive rights. Tell us about that. So with $69 million in general that the, the Hogan administration had not released, the legislature fenced this off. They were very adamant in telling us that on Friday, how happy they were that it had been released by the Governor Moore, but it had been fenced off, meaning that you know Governor Hogan couldn't have used this on anything else other than the things it was supposed to be used for. So money was going to uh, abortion providers. Um, there were other money uh, within this was going to some other things such as um, – no, they're going to they're going to train they're going to train healthcare providers train healthcare more, providers more people to be able to right. uh, provide and, and, these services and again thinking again with neighboring states you know uh, Maryland's you know Maryland's abortion access is greater than some of its neighbors and you have you know say, say to the south of Virginia a Republican governor who's trying to certainly limit abortion rights there might this be a state then where people from these neighboring states, might they be coming to Maryland uh, to receive that kind of health care? Uh, that's something that this money goes toward, is training more of them so that if that is the case, that there are these neighboring states where people are unable to get that kind of health care, they can come to Maryland to get that. And that's something, that, you know, the, certainly the Democrats in charge of, of the legislature or leading the legislature want that to be the case, something that, you know, Maryland is that sort of destination for people looking for that health care. You mentioned Senate President Bill Ferguson, uh, the House uh, Speaker of the House, Adrian Jones, and Governor Westmore had breakfast together on uh, Friday morning. Uh, clearly, both of those uh, two leaders, you know, had endorsed uh, Westmore when he was a candidate for governor. Um, it's interesting, though. SB one, the uh, the first big bill that the Senate will uh, take up, uh, has to do with guns. Yes, uh, and it's a reaction to the Supreme Court ruling in the New York concealed carry case. Um, but there doesn't seem to be any particular mention of that in the budget proposal mm-hmm. that Governor Moore submitted. So um, is there a, a, a consonance here, you know, in the in these early, literally early hours of the budget conver- conversation in terms of what the legislature is going to be pursuing and what the governor uh, is proposing in his budget? On Friday, before the governor released the budget, Senate President Ferguson holds a press conference. He brought with him, uh, the chair of the Judicial Proceedings Committee, Senator Will Smith of Montgomery County, and specifically saying a lot of this stuff that they're going to be dealing with is going to be around this Bruin ruling that you referenced uh, from the Supreme Court. And SB1 is something that's going to, they wanted to basically define where, if people are going to have open carry of guns, where they're allowed to open carry. They want certain restrictions on where they can open carry within this law. And I think this is going to be a lot. That bill that you referenced, SB1, the hearing is not uh, until February 7th, so that's still a couple weeks away. But that's going to be a pretty big thing and you see a lot of the early bills bills can be pre-filed before the session actually starts and some of the really biggest ones particularly senate bills that were pre-filed all dealt with this issue of the bruin uh, supreme court ruling showing you know the impacts of these things on state government and how state government really impacts day-to-day life in in the states more than the federal government does you know so this will be something that they're bringing out you know it's going to take a lot of time and and, you know knowing the amount of legalese it's going to go around this uh it's going to (laughs) be it's going to take a lot of while uh, just to get the 
explanations on all these laws. But that is SB1, yes. And, uh, you know, overall, you've covered, what, six or seven, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, legislative sessions and uh, more than a few new governors. Um, sounds like the more administration's off to a, a decent start. Do you think there have been any uh, hiccups that were unexpected? It doesn't feel like there's any uh, unforced errors, let's put it that way, uh, with anything that's happened so far. They seem to have, you know, met the moment of history. And we all knew that this was obviously a very historic uh, inauguration in Maryland. And he spoke about that on, on Inauguration Day, you know, having been down to the Annapolis docks, laying a wreath uh, at the memorial that's down there, bringing it up within his speech, and then, um, you know, having other big names with him there to, to really meet that historic moment. But it really feels like in the first two days after that, you know, it wasn't anything that caught anybody by surprise. Uh, but, it, you know, even so, you still have to, you know, unveil those things without making any unforced errors. And it feels like so far they have not done that. Now comes the big thing is getting this through the legislature because, again, even with Democrats in control of it, you know, they have this extra power with the budget, some other things, you know, that's where we'll see his ability to really navigate things through. Because, again, like Governor Hogan, he's never held uh, elected office before, so this is going to be new. And in his uh, inaugural address, uh, Governor Moore did have some gracious things to say uh, to Larry Hogan, who was sitting behind him. Um, But this is clearly going to be a very different approach to governing Maryland than we've been used to for the last eight years. And absolutely. And I think, you know, when the budget proposal came up uh, on Friday, you know, did not waste time to never said Larry Hogan by name. But talking about that budget surplus, talking about the GDP in Maryland, which had fallen, talking about the competitiveness of the state and all that, it was clear who he was talking about and saying we're going to be very, very different in how we go about uh, budgeting in Maryland. WYPR News Director Matt Bush. Thank you, sir. We will, of course, be in touch through this legislative session. Thank you. That's it for us today. Coming up tomorrow, we will have a debate about trans athletes. The road to equality for female athletes has been fraught and challenging, and now we've got the issue of who should be eligible to compete in women's sports. So we'll hear from a trans athlete and a cisgender athlete tomorrow. Hope you can join us then. Thanks for being with us. Have a great day. This is Your Public Radio, member-supported 88.1 WYPR.